And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this, I don't know what day of the week it is, Thursday. Casey Jisclair here with Coach Brian Colley. Um, We hope everybody's having a good week leading into what's going to be a very cold next few days. But we're talking about freeze warnings and different things like that over the next few days. I love it. I enjoy nope. that type of stuff. I know my broadcast partner nope. here does not. Um, all leading into the new year, which means we got college football playoff stuff coming up. We got the LSU finale coming up. We got, thankfully, this is something that folks should be thankful for, the ending of the New Orleans Saints season coming up. So we got a lot to look forward to. But, of course, we kick off today's show uh, with some high school stuff. At 12 o'clock, 12 noon, we're going to Central Lafouche. We got Gage Griffin. Yeah, he'll be joining us <laughs> to talk about some Central Lafouche basketball. The Trojans come into the holiday season hot, playing some good ball. We'll have Gage on at noon. At 12.15, we got Stan Gravatz, our Terrebonne General Thursday interview with Stan. Look forward to seeing what he's got to say. As we always do, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll open up today's show. Talking about uh, the local scoreboard. Now, there's not a whole lot here on the local scoreboard, but there's just enough to where we could we could break some things down. The girls' basketball schedule from last night. We had a big old district game out on the river. Destrahan gets a 47 to 42 win over Thibodeau, and gets a big PowerPoint earning win over Thibodeau last night, defending their home floor. But Thibodeau shows, hey, man, like we could play with y'all, but come up a little bit short 47-42 to 42 in a game that must have been a good one. I'll be honest with you. I almost made the trip to Destrehan and went and filmed that one, but I decided to stay in because I know it got some work to do with the E.D. White tournament. East Ascension defends their home floor and gets a 44-26 to 26 win over South Lafouche last night. Good win for East Ascension, and the Lady Tarpons are uh, continuing a little bit of a skid. I know they had beat Bonneville, but they're on a little bit of a skid. Berwick falls to Turlings Catholic 49-25 to at the Turlings Catholic Tournament. So Berwick has lost a couple of games here after what was like a 12-0 start or something like that to the season for them. And that wraps up our girls' basketball scoreboard. Now we get to our boys' basketball scoreboard where we have East St. John at the St. Louis Catholic Tournament defeating Pleasant Hill 75-52, to a good win for East St. John, earning a PowerPoint for everybody in our local 5A district. We also had yesterday on the boys' basketball side Vanderbilt over at the Sunkiss Tournament, beating Iowa 63-54. to Vanderbilt will now move on to the next round of that tournament and take on Brother Martin, who defeated Opelousas Catholic 68-42. to So we got Vanderbilt and Brother Martin today over at the Sunkiss Tournament. Let's see. <clears throat> I think that was our only local games yesterday. Uh, Hanson Memorial, that's close enough. They beat Port Barry 64-48. to So let's go through this Sunkissed bracket, right? I'm going to go and find you all the results from Sunkissed yesterday. All right, the first game of the tournament, we had Newman taking on Patterson. Newman won that one 60-44. So now Newman today will play Lafayette Christian because I know Lafayette Christian won. I saw the score last night. Lafayette Christian yesterday defeated North Central 82 to 58. So we got Newman and Lafayette Christian today. We've got Patterson and North Central today on the other side in the losers bracket. In a game yesterday, we had Barb and St. Thomas Aquinas. Barb lost to St. Thomas Aquinas 51 to 46. So now we had, I have no clue, and I don't know how we would find the winner of this game as it was two out of state teams St. John of Texas and MRA of Mississippi. 
So don't know who won that one. But the winner of that game will face St. Thomas Aquinas. The loser will face Bart. I, I, if I had, I would guess MRE of Mississippi. They uh, <laughs> big time. Oh my God! I think they're eighteen and zero. Uh, to start the year out, I, I believe that's what it was. There you go. Uh, well, heck, I, I think that yeah, they did a sun kiss story there on on the site so that you're looking at. So maybe we could, <clears throat> maybe we could figure some things out and who won that ball game there. Let's see. Uh, one. I mean, anyway, we'll L- keep... listen to this. The, the the MRA in Mississippi, their head coach, the eighteen and zero this year, Richard Dewey's. He has over 1,800 wins. 1,800 And wins. a staggering 41 state championships at MRA. Oh, something tells me that they follow the rules to the T over there, and they're not the, recruiting at all. Uh, we'd go to team camps at Southern Miss and all, and they were there every year, and we would like we might have had a 10-year stretch, and we would play those guys every year. You talk about some knockout drag out fights that we had uh uh games that we had it, it was uh amazing i got to know this guy real well he's a uh, class act oh well, i apologize oh, for insinuating he, that he was doing things wrong mra beat st john yesterday no, no, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh all right we got vanderbilt who beat iowa they're gonna take on brother martin who beat opelousas catholic let's go see crowley and st thomas moore let's see st thomas moore defeated crowley so now they will take on Catholic of New Iberia, who defeated Turlings. So let's recap that. We've got Newman, who will be taking on Lafayette Christian. That's Iron versus Iron. We've got St. Thomas Aquinas taking on either St. John of Texas or MRA of Mississippi. We've got Vanderbilt taking on Brother Martin. We've got St. Thomas Moore taking on Catholic of New Iberia. These are all games today beginning at 315. What I'm getting at here is if you are in the Lafayette area and you want to go watch some ridiculously good basketball, the Sunkiss Shootout is the place to go. Now, if you are in the local area and you want to watch some ridiculously good basketball, the Core Holiday Invitational is the place to go. Beginning today, at E.D. White at 4.30, South Lafouche will take on Bell Chase. At 6 o'clock, Letcher will take on Bruley. And at 7.30, HL Bourgeois will take on E.D. White, the host school. Now, over at Central Catholic, we got a schedule revision, which was going to lead to a little bit of a conversation between Brian and I here in this segment of the show. At 4.30, Shaw will be taking on Terrebonne. At 6 o'clock, Assumption will be taking on Berwick. There was supposed to be a 7.30 nightcap between Morgan City and Central Catholic. Morgan City is not playing at the tournament except tomorrow when they will play a 4.30 game against Bell Chase. Morgan City was scheduled to play three games at the tournament and have asked to not play, but Bell Chase is going to hold them to the game and make them play their Friday game. What's up, bro? Yeah, going back to the Sunkiss, MRA won 68-47. There we go. So we do have the the clarification MRA did get the win. So strategy-wise, let's talk about this, Brian. You are in a tournament. Let's say you're scheduled to play Morgan City over at the E.D. White tournament. They're 5-9. and nine. They apparently have had some sort of fight or something, and their varsity team is suspended, and they can't play or whatever. Maybe I don't know what the exact situation is. Would you allow them to postpone the game like a couple of the other schools have done, or would you say, huh, 
Ain't my fault your ass is in trouble. You come and play like Bell Chase is doing. Which, if you were leading a program, would you do? Man, it's it's tough. I would hope I would uh, say, look, let's try and reschedule for later in the year, possibly if you can. Um, I think I would want to go that way, but uh, being competitive, hey, you forfeit. Can't, I'm showing up. You're gonna forfeit. Can can I say something that? Well, obviously I can. I just I hope that people don't take this the wrong way. If this were God, this is going to sound bad. If it were South Lafouche who had an instance like this, if it were E.D. White who had an instance like this, if it were Central Lafouche who had an instance like this, I think people would be more willing to cooperate. But when it's Morgan City and it happens every year that there's always something, it's kind of harder to give that program the benefit of the doubt. It just is what it is. Every year it's something. The girls are fighting. The boys are having issues. And to me... Because of that, I would make them play. I don't care if you show up with ninth graders. I don't care if you show up with band members. I don't care if you show up with your punter on your football team. You're showing up, you're playing, you're getting your face beat in, and I'm getting the win. It ain't my fault that you guys fought. You do it every year. To me, the school in question has a lot to do with how I would handle it. Yeah, great point. And last year it was the girls, right? Yes, sir. Uh, so I don't know if they put the entire athletic program on probation or, or what. But they, you remember they also had a situation where they forfeited a football win last year. Correct. So, yeah, it's a lot of strikes adding up there. So, uh, look, the LHSA came down hard on some teams and said you're done for the season. Uh, why is that not happening here? We don't know. And, and I'm not saying it. It's, I just uh, – it's happening elsewhere. Last year, you fought. You were on ice for, what was it, a month or whatever, 30 days, whatever they did. They put teams on ice for a long time. You had to forfeit all the games. We don't have any evidence or indication that that's what's going to happen to Morgan City, which leads me to wonder why. Because like you said, last year that precedent was set. Maybe there's still an investigation going on. Maybe that is what's going to end up happening, but we don't know just yet. But last year, they were pretty quick on those situations. Hey, you fight, um, we're locking you up. And this year, there doesn't seem to be any, any indication that that's the way that it's going. Now, how about this? Yesterday, and I didn't realize this, man, and I'm just seeing it now. Vanderbilt beat the number one team in the state in Division II non-select. I didn't realize Iowa was this good. Iowa is 8-3. and three. Iowa has victories over Madison Prep, Dunham, Lafayette, Acadiana, St. Louis. They have a four-point loss to Newman, which is a great result. Didn't realize the close loss to Peabody. I didn't realize Iowa was that good, but Vanderbilt puts it on him by nine. Just goes to show, man, you got a box score there. Who scored some points for the Terriers yesterday? Uh, let's see. Jaden Coleman. My guy. Had 17. Jahari Coleman, 13. My other guy. And Jordan Matthews had 12. So their dudes were dudes. I mean, that's that's probably their three key pieces. That, let me ask you this. Did... Jalen Coleman play, or is he still out injured? I do not see him in the box score. Yep, so that would indicate that he's still out injured. He's had a football injury, and then he kind of came back maybe a little premature and then re-aggravated it. So the Terriers get a big win, and they're still not even 100%, but they're going to get Jalen back, and he's going to make them better. So great win for Vanda. But I, I, you look, if you're at the Sunkiss tournament, you're really good. 
I didn't realize how good Iowa actually was. That's a really, really good win for Coach Veal and his team. Now, you get rewarded. You beat the number one team in Division II non-select, and your big reward is you get to play Brother Martin today. <laughs> Brother Martin is 13-3 and on the season. But boy, 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 you start stacking up them points. You beat Brother Martin today, that would be huge for Vanderbilt. It's a Brother Martin team that comes into the game 13-3. and but looking at some of the results, man, um, I think that they'll be able to play with them. I think that this will be a good game today. Yeah, Brother Morton beat Opelousas Catholic. Was it 68-42? Yep. Hmm. We will see. Hope We wish best of luck to the Terriers. Hopefully they could uh, make some things shake and uh, and keep the train rolling over there at the Sunkiss. We wish best of luck to everybody over at the Core Holiday well, Invitation. You know what? It, you can tell... Uh, First-class tournament, they got box scores for every single game. That is, uh, dude, I could tell you as a broadcaster, that's a luxury. The fact that whenever we're at Nichols, we get stat sheets fed to us every two, three minutes, that helps so much. And it's really cool to, for you know us as reporters to know what's going on in all the games and know who did what. And I mean, that, that, that's, that's awesome. That, that's great. Looking, looking at the box score, St. Thomas Aquinas, their leading scorer, Cohen... I, I can't even rule, rule whatever. But uh, my point is, last year he was the uh, the guy at North Shore. Mm. North Shore went made it to the final, lost to Zachary in the finals. Little transfer portal action. Yep, transferred over to some a two sport athlete, played football, and uh, he was the leading scorer for St. Thomas Aquinas. And why again are we not sitting out a year? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> On that note, let's catch a break when we get back. Brian and I are going to do kind of what we did yesterday. We'll break down our 3A, 2A, and 1A districts like we did 4A and 5A, all leading to Gage Griffin at noon. Yeah, it's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this on KLEB. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafourche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Remember, water safety isn't just for the summer months. Water safety is a year-long commitment to our family and friends as well as our community. A few safety tips to remember. Be mindful of children when there is any water around, whether it be pools, ponds, lakes, bathtubs, or the bayou. Keep all bodies of water secure with fences, gates, and covers when not in use. Drowning does not discriminate. It happens to people of every age and swimming ability. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. 
Set yourself up for success when planning your next event, whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras, rodeo, or outdoor music venue. Joe's Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe's Septic Contractors can supply 18, 10, 3, and 2-stall restrooms, air-conditioned trailers, anytime, anywhere. Call 24-7. Planning an event? Visit Joe's Septic at viscom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, Reserve, Odessa, Texas, and Pascagoula, Mississippi. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Casey Jisclair here with Coach Brian Colley. Hope everybody's enjoying their Thursday as much as we are here in the studio. We got Gage Griffin who will be joining us in the next segment, then Stan Gravoff for our Terrebonne General Thursday interview at 1215. Uh, but we're going to continue as we get closer to district play. We're going to continue to break down some of these local districts. And we start with our 8-3A girls district where um, I think it's pretty clear to say it's a five-team district. I think it's pretty clear to say that we've got three teams that are head and shoulders above everyone else and maybe even just two teams, to be honest with you. We got E.D. White, who's 11-4, and four, and who has played some really good basketball this season. They have a win over 12-4 and four, Turlings Catholic they have a win over 7-4 and four Haynes Academy. They played close to Ponchatoula. Um, they've beaten just about everybody that they played locally. They beat Bourgeois. They beat Ellender. They beat Terrebonne. They got Caroline Adams, who's a big piece, and she does a whole lot of scoring. A win over 7-3 and three Ascension Catholic. They're 11-4. and four. I think they're probably the front runner. But you got some big PowerPoint earning games in this district because you got Berwick, who's 11-3, and three, and Berwick has just scheduled masterfully. They are eleven and three. They're eleven wins. They haven't beaten anybody with more than three wins. And they're in their eleven and three mark. They've been playing stiffer competition lately and have kind of been getting kicked around. But it doesn't change the fact that they have eleven wins and you beat them. It'd be a great win. Brother, looking at this, it's to me, it's between E. D. White and St. James. E. D. White is eleven and four. St. James is eleven and two. I would favor E. D. White. I don't think Berwick's all the way there. Berwick is a byproduct of a softer schedule. I think it's going to come down to the Cardinals and the Wildcats. They play one another on January the 12th and January the 30th, uh, bringing up the rear Patterson 1-7, Donaldsonville 0-10. Those teams won't be in contention. I think it's going to be E.D. White and St. James in our local girls 3A district. I, I would agree. Looking at, at Berwick's schedule, all right, they got a game, a district game to open up uh, at St. James, who's 11-2. Lorville, 2 and 9. Patterson, 1 and 7. Donaldsonville, 0 and 10. Thrive Academy, 4 and 5. They're going to win 20 games. Westminster, 1 and 4. Ascension East Pittsburgh, 1 and 5. Patterson, 1 and 7. I mean, Generat, 1 and 5. They're going to win 20 they, games. Yeah. They, uh, wow. Yeah, talk about a uh, a schedule. Now, look, with all that having been said, they're 11-3. and three. Let me go tell you what they are in the power ratings, but they can't be very high. They have, like, zero quality wins. They are 16th. They're 11-3, and three, and they're 16th in Division Three non-select. There are teams with far worse records that are ahead of them. There's a 7-7 seven and seven team ahead of them, a 6-7 and seven team ahead of them. But if you're Berwick, and that's what you got to do to give yourself a chance to make the playoffs, say more power to you, man. They have scheduled a schedule that their team could handle, and they're going to win a crap ton of games, and that's going to be good for everybody in that district because you play Berwick, you're going to get a good result one way or another because they're going to win a bunch of games. And the pressure is going to be on them because they're going to be toward, uh, I mean, what you said, 16, 17, 18 in that area. Uh, 
they cannot fall to these teams, Centerville that's one and nine or Donaldsonville zero and ten. They can't fall to those teams. They're going to have to beat them. They have taken care of business to this point, but you're right. That does put a lot of pressure. You can't ever have a night off because if you do, um, you're going to lose a game that's going to really hurt you in the power ratings. Edie White has Caroline Adams on their team, and she is exceptional. She's a Nickel State University signee, but they got some good other uh, complimentary players. Coach Zanax teams are always proficient at, at defense, man. And Edie White looking at them this season, um, some games they struggle to score, you know, scoring in the 30s, the low 40s, whatever it may be. But that consistent defensive effort is always there. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they're going to be tough is that, you know, this defense travels, man. If the opponent can't score more than 30, 35 points, you're always going to be in the game, even if your shots are not falling. January 3rd, big game. They come into the tank to play the Lady Tarpons. That is going to be a big game. Uh, if Coach Sanak can get his team to come down here and win in the tank, that's going to be a huge win for his team. And, and, and speaking to Nick, he knows it. He knows that that's a big game, and he thinks it's a very evenly matched game. Both teams beat Bourgeois by about the same amount. Well, I say that. No, they actually beat Bourgeois by more than South Lafouche did. Both teams played Ponchatoula relatively close. Both teams you know, have had similar results. That's going to be a fun game and a very interesting game to track. Now, we go to that same district on the boys' side, and I think it's a little bit more of a hodgepodge, and it's hard to figure out. You got E.D. White, who's 8-2 and two to start the season. And kind of like the Berwick team, they really haven't played the toughest schedule yet, right? They played a Division Five select school. They played Riverdale. They played South Plaquemine. I mean, they've been beating smaller schools, and when they've played bigger schools, they've lost. They lost to West St. Mary and lost to Karen Crow. Got a great win against Doyle. That was a really good win, 47-45. Beat home a Christian. But I think we're going to learn more about E.D. White in the next three days because they play H.L. Bourgeois, they play Terrebonne, they play South Lafouche. We're going to learn more about them in the next three days. The rest of their district is hard to figure out. You got Donaldsonville, who's 5-5, five and five, but they have played a treacherous schedule. They've played Bruley and East St. John and Plaquemine and... They've been losing some of those games, but they haven't been losing by much. They got a win against Dutchtown. They blew out Destrehan. They beat East Ascension. So Donaldsonville is going to be in there. Patterson's kind of hard to figure out because they, too, have played a really difficult schedule. They've played Bourgeois twice, Terrebonne, Central Lafouche, New Iberia, Zachary, Santamont. Yeah, they're 5-9, and nine, but, I mean, come on now. They've been playing some of the best teams in the state. I've seen Berwick. I don't think that they'll be a player. St. James is a little bit of a wild card. I don't know. They're one and three. They're off to a little bit of a slow start. To me, Patterson, Donaldsonville, E.D. White are the, the three lead dogs in our local 3A district. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, when you look at St. James, they got their football guys real late. So uh, it might take them a while to, to jail and start playing a little bit better. But uh, look, E.D. White, that, that's a, they're tough, man. You play them in their gym, that's a tough place to play. Patterson, like you mentioned, they are inconsistent right now. If, if they can put things together, they have the athletes. That they can make a run in that district. Uh, I'm not too sure on Donaldsonville. I haven't seen them. But hopefully I, I get to uh, get a look at E.D. White tonight. Man, um, dude, let, let's talk about this. In our local 2A girls district, and we've talked about this a little bit here on the show, uh, but for those who are not familiar – they're not doing district play. Um, they're doing something completely different. It's a very small district, which consists of Fisher, Homa Christian, Cohen, South Plaquemines, and Thomas Jefferson. 
frankly, all of those schools are a little bit down this year. Homer Christians just started their year, new coach, a lot of new players. But then you look at it, Fisher's not a big power. Cohen's not a power. South Plaquemine is 3-6. and six. Thomas Jefferson's 1-4. and four. They're not doing district play at all. What they're doing instead is they're having a one-weekend winner-take-all district tournament. I kind of like that idea. Um, and the reason for that, and we had Kathy Luke, whenever she was at Home of Christian, come on and explain it. It was kind of something that she spearheaded. Is That's a really weird travel district, right? Like, they've got teams that got to make a bunch of weird trips. So she said, instead of, hey, on Tuesdays and Fridays, traveling all over the place, why don't we just get together for one week and have a tournament, and the winner's going to get that automatic bid. If I'm Coach Celestine right now with the Home of Christian girls, I am preparing my team for that one weekend, winner take all. Let's go win the district tournament and let's punch our ticket into the playoffs. I like that idea. I think it's a great idea. Just have a, a district tournament. Uh, even if you want to play your district schedule, uh, do one round and save room at the end of your schedule for a tournament at the end. Or just playing a tournament is great. I said on social media that if the Bayou region, Lafouche and Terrebonne, and I'm talking to some coaches right now, and they seem pretty interested. If they do a Bayou region tournament, I'll do whatever I, I can to help it out. Um, I will provide T-shirts for the championship team. I will provide a trophy. I think it would be cool as heck. We got, what, 12, 11 high schools. If we did a tournament for the Bayou region, Lafouche, Terrebonne, and heck, we could get assumption if they don't want to get left out, and we did a one-weekend tournament to see who would be the Bayou region champion, I think that would be extremely awesome, and I would love to see that come to fruition in the future. Oh, and, and look, you just uh, brainstorming certain ideas. I think that would be great. Uh, you want exposure for these athletes? I mean, we broadcast the game even. I would and I would video. We would do rate, like We would make sure that it became a big deal. You can it, broadcast every single one of these games, uh, publish stats and all everything to promote these uh young men and women it'd be it'd be it'd be great but you look getting back with ed white in their district they play in two rounds and they're gonna have to play patterson twice who's one and seven donald seville oh and ten that hurts that's that's four games right there that's gonna hurt ed white that, that hurts now it also hurts other people in their district but when you you're looking out of your district for the playoffs that hurts you yeah and, and, and you know you say it hurts everybody in the district and it does but E.D. White is the only team in that district that's in Division Two Select. The others are in a completely different nice. bracket. That's, um, yeah, that that hurts. And, and and that to me is why the tournament idea works. That to me is why one round of district works because teams don't want to be forced to play zero and twenty teams anymore. Yeah, uh, and look, a few years back when they went to the one round, uh, we uh, with Coach Zush, we kind of. He had an idea, and, I mean, we were far. I think we were only two in the district that voted for it is to have an end-of-the-season end of tournament. Uh, it didn't work, but I think uh, it didn't go through. I, it would have worked, and it would have been great for the, for the district and for the area. And uh, everybody needs finances, right? Yeah. What a, what a great way to make money for everyone. In our 2A district, on the boys' side, they do play district games. Homa Christian will be facing Fisher, Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson Rise Charter, Cohen, and South Plaquemines. I got to tell you, dude, we saw South Plaquemines, and yeah, I granted they were playing Vanderbilt. I mean, that, good luck. Uh, but they were pretty impressive. They got some shot makers, and I think that that district could potentially come down to Homa Christian and South Plaquemines. They play February the 9th. 
on the road. That'll be a good test. Homer Christian's hard to figure out. Engage if you're listening. We're coming uh, in just a second. Homer Christian's hard to figure out. You see them at the Vanderbilt tournament. They're playing with their hair on fire, beating Berwick. The next day, they're playing with their hair on fire, losing close to Catholic of New Iberia. We saw them play Central Catholic. They didn't seem all that interested. But then you see them last Friday against E.D. White, and they're playing super hard. Like When they are bringing it, they're tough. They just, this year, I don't know if it's youth. I don't know what it is. They have a hard time bringing it every game. When they show up, though, look out. They're a tough team to beat. They are. And look, I've seen them play. Uh, is it Catholic or New Iberia? At the, uh, was it the Vanderbilt tournament? Outside of the fourth quarter, when they gassed out a yeah. little bit, they were they were in there. They, they, were they in brought it. it. And I looked at you. I said, my goodness, this, this team's going to be serious. They're a good team. And uh, yeah, for whatever reason, against Central Catholic and Morgan City, it was just a flat game for them. I think maybe uh, it, might, it may have been their first game back with uh, learning that one of their guys were out for the season. Uh, I think that could have had something to do with it. But, uh, look, they, they responded well against E.D. White. Uh, Coach Jones is going to have his team ready to go. Uh, I think they are uh, very good shape for the uh, district championship in that district. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl is going on right now out in Boston, and the home team, Boston College, is losing 14-10 to against SMU. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the course of this broadcast. But – Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Gage Griffin of Central Lafouche. We'll ask him about the way his team is playing going into the new year. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette, plus the River Parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply, 985-223-8807, Highway 311 in Homa. All right, let me talk to you here. It's play-by-play. We go to the phone lines. 
for a red-hot basketball coach for a red-hot basketball team. Whose game is it? That would be Gage Griffin, the Central Lafouche basketball coach. Gage, good morning. Yeah, how we doing? Oh, yeah, it's a good morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I figured you would enjoy the uh, and appreciate the intro. Your team's coming in playing well. You go 2-1 and one over the Walker tournament, get a win over the host school, get a win over Santa Mont. Your team is climbing up the power ratings now up to number 19. Uh, tell us about the holiday, man. I'm sure that the the holiday gumbo went down a little easier with the way that you guys have been playing lately. Oh, yes, it did. It tasted a lot sweeter. Um, we had a great week at Walker right before Christmas. Went in the night of, played at 7 p.m., beat the whole school in a very competitive game. Then we had to wake up the next morning and go play at 11 a.m. in the morning. And we came back, we kept the momentum going, beat a very talented St. Amant team that has played other teams in our district as well very hard. And then uh, we had a competitive game against U-High as well. It was number one in uh, Division Three, But we got hot at the right time. We're starting to hit that upper – trajectory that I've been telling them we needed to hit right before district we played our best basketball right before the break and I hope it keeps up so talk to me about the challenge now of keeping that momentum because you guys are on a very lengthy break you played on the 23rd of December don't play again until next Friday not tomorrow but the following Friday so you're looking at like 13 days off how do you make sure that the guys are fresh and ready to roll because look man Right out of the gate, you're going to be challenged going on the road, taking on a very good Terrebonne team. How do you make sure that there's no rust and that you guys are ready to go? That's it, and that's a very good question, and we're hoping it sticks together. But this week we're practicing four times. We get going. I've seen many seasons. I know I'm one of the youngest coaches around, but I've been around a long time, and I've seen some crazy things happen happen over the, over the break. If we go and play some games, some of you guys may be mentally checked out and things, and I didn't want to go and give us a hard competition right now. I wanted to keep us rolling, keep us practicing. That way when we get to Terrebonne, we're going to be ready for Terrebonne. The rest of the way, this could be one game at a time. Um, the guys look good in practice so far this week, and we add in some things that could be coming up, and I know we'll be ready to roll, and what better time to be alive? First game of district right before you get back to school? You're going to love it. And then we come back for a three-game homestand. There you go. Uh, talk about how important it is to be good situationally here in the next couple of months in district. Because Brian and I talked about this yesterday. In your district, you guys are right up there with Terrebonne, East St. John, Hanville, Thibodeau, Bourgeois. Like All these games are going to be five, six-point games with three, four minutes left. That's just the way this district goes. How important is it that your guys understand situations and could figure out how to close out those tough games because there are going to be a lot of them coming up. Last year, that was a struggle. You guys lost a bunch of one- and two-possession games. How do you flip that on its head this year and start winning those games? Yeah, absolutely. And the guys have done such a better job this season closing out them games. They understand that every game may be decided by one possession. Um, this year so far... We're ten and four. We played in probably six games that were very close that we ended up pulling out at the end. Um, the Walker game, it was tied up with about two minutes left, and then we scored the next eight points of the game. We closed out. We ran our sets. We knew when to stall the game, when to take care of the ball, just shoot the layup. Um, the maturity level has grown from years past. The past few years, it was, ooh, I'm open. Let's take the shot. 
now we're passing up the good shot for the better shot. And the more we start to see that, it's going to come around. Every game is going to be hard in district. Anybody could beat anybody on any given night. For and sure, man. The players, the players definitely understand that, especially last year. We had some upsets. We had some people that hung with us that you didn't think would. But uh, we're, we're ready for it. I think closing out games, we're going to be much stronger this year than we've been. You know, one thing that I could compliment you guys on, it, it, you, you send me the stats after every game, win or lose, and I so much appreciate that. But one thing that I'm oh. noticing is that, you know, hey, yeah, most of the time it, it's Evan who's the leading scorer. That's not a surprise. He's your best offensive player. But one thing I'm noticing is that, B, your 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 secondary score is scoring more now than what before. You know, before it was all right. Well, Evan had twenty eight, but then such and such added seven. Now it's such yep. and such is getting twelve for fourteen. And then also, what I'm noticing, Gage, is that it's a different player. Maybe every game. You guys said earlier about a month ago when we had you on, we got to build our depth and our role players got to have confidence. It sounds like that's starting to happen for your basketball team. It really is. We had some great performances that have been coming up recently. We had a lot of people stepping up. Isaiah Williams had a big game, had 14 points in the fourth quarter against either St. Amano Walker. Connor DePlanis has been playing on another level the last few days. He's finally feeling right. You know, like a back injury, he's feeling 100% now, and he looks it, looks the part. Blaze Gisclair still has his games when he comes in, gets hot. But even when he's not, when he has to become the ball handler, We've got the other guys starting to score. Jaden Battle's been scoring better on the inside. It's all coming together at the right time. We've been waiting on that. I think now that we got these other guys' confidence going, I, would, I think we could beat anybody on any given night. Talk to me about the dynamic there of, okay, you're the head coach. Um, your brother is one of your senior leaders. And, you know, when I last interviewed him, he was having a hard time on the camera because he kept saying, well, well, Gage wants us to do this, and then he would correct himself. I mean, uh, Coach Griffin, so, like, you're, you're juggling being a big brother. You're juggling being a coach. And, you know, I'm sure you guys, when you're sitting at the Christmas table, are trying to talk basketball, but not too much. And, like, it's a balancing act, bro, because that's your brother and you love him, but you don't want to put too much on him. I'm sure it's a very interesting dynamic, is it not? It, it's one of the craziest dynamics anybody can ever think of like you got of course you always hear of the oh the father coaching son dynamic everything this one's completely different that's brother coaches brother i've never seen that at least around here um since i've been playing coaching and everything but he adjusts very well he does have a lot of pressure on him at all times he knows he needs to look good on the court and off the court because that's a representation of both of us but He's been taking control of it most of the time. Yeah, sometimes he may have a moment or two, but he gets back on track. Um, and a, a lot of these players, I've coached them since they were six or seven years old. Like, a lot of them, I've been like that older brother figure to me. Like, when Evan's saying, Gage, Coach Griffin, don't know what to say. Some of the players have done that from years past because I've coached them when I was like 13. Um, but it's been a great dynamic to get through. I think the players trust me very well, whether it's on the court, off the court. They'll talk to me about these things. And it's been great to see how much they're building. Been waiting to ask you this question since we had you on. Over the Christmas holiday, Dwayne The Rock Johnson told a Make-A-Wish kid that he will be back in WWE, quote, sooner rather than later. Is he coming back for WrestleMania, bro? Or are we going to see The Rock versus Roman? What, what, what say you? So 
I'll be honest, I really think it's going to happen. I think he may be the surprise entrant at the end of the Rumble because we're thinking, oh, it's going to be CM Punk. Oh, it's going to be Cody. Well, maybe it's not going to be Cody. Maybe The Rock comes back and makes a little twist of things. Because I just I don't see Roman Reigns losing that title yet. And I think he's going to keep it going until next year's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You got me fired up, my man. Look, thanks so much for the time. Happy New Year, my man. And uh, before you go, give us a good yeah. Let's see. Let me get it. So <laughs> this will be a good one from the great week that we had. Yeah. My man. My man. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and yours, man. Yep. Y'all too. Have a great one. That is Coach Griffin. We like to talk some wrestling with Coach Griffin. We like to do some L.A. Night stuff. It's not as weird now that you know what we're actually doing and you you don't think that we're you know just twitching out. <laughs> well, look, I forgot who it uh the catchphrase was from. L A night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know the yeah, but I don't know who is it from. Dude, I thought it was always Gage Griffin. Uh we that's got to be so weird, dude. And he touched on it and he gave a great answer. He's coaching his his little brother, dude. Like you know, little brothers are people that you play Xbox with and little brothers are people that you pick on and you give grief to. And he's coaching his little brother who's the best player on their team. And last year, I'll be honest. And I think that both Gage and Evan would say this last year. I don't when when Gage got thrown into the role mid season, I don't know that they handled that as well. At times, Evan would get a little emotional. Gage would get on him, kind of ride him and they would both kind of shut down this year. I don't see that. I think they're both more poised. I think they're both handling it better. And as a result, you're looking at a basketball team that's won a bunch of games, has some quality wins, and when they get into district, like I can't wait for next Friday to see how they do at Terrible. And that's going to be a very fun game. Uh, the Trojans are firmly in the mix, man. They've de- they've definitely got a shot to go to the playoffs and maybe even beyond. Yeah, they went through uh, an adjustment period, and uh, Evan realized that if he doesn't buy in like the rest of the team, that uh, Coach Gage is going to sit him. Yeah, <laughs> just like anyone anyone else. So uh, yeah, it's an adjustment period. And a quick little story: it, it, it has to be tough uh, coaching your brother. Uh, years back, when I was running uh, the camp at LCO, a basketball camp, uh, my youngest brother Brent came to the camp one as a, as a camper, and after the first day. As soon as camp was over, I went straight to my parents' house and I sat my mom down. I said, Mom, one of us is going back tomorrow. I don't know which one, but one's going back. Uh, yeah, just I, I can imagine what it uh, – but, they, look, they did it well. They went through the adjustment. Uh, they handled it the right way, and – it's paying off for them right now. Yeah, no doubt. They've got a big one, a uh, long break, 13-day break, and then they're back at it next Friday against Terrebonne and what should be a really good one. Let's get a break. When we get back, we got our Terrebonne General Thursday interview with Mr. Stan Gravois. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Louisiana Association of Broadcasters is now accepting applications for the 2024 Broadcast Scholarship Program. I'm Nicholas Martin, a recipient of the 2023 Broadcast Scholarship. I'm here to tell you that two $4,000 scholarships are available to Louisiana mass communication students. Pursuing an education and career in radio or television. Visit broadcasters.org or call 1-800-364-7260 for more details. The application deadline is January 26, 2024. We hope to hear you on air soon. 
Medicaid members, keep your coverage. Update your address, email address, and cell phone number to receive information regarding your benefits. Act now. If you get a letter from Louisiana Medicaid, read it and respond as soon as possible. For more information or to update your info, call the number on your insurance card or visit healthy.la.gov. That's healthy.la.gov. Remember to update all required information before Medicaid deadlines so you don't lose your coverage. Your business is as unique as Southeast Louisiana. People, culture, family. We know what it means to be local. Rev is your local communications provider with support teams that live and work in the same Louisiana communities we serve. Customer first localism is truly in our DNA. Our promise is to bring your business the reliability and local support you deserve. We've been connecting communities in Louisiana for 85 years and we're ready to serve you and your business. Rev Business. It's bourbon season. Join Rouse's Markets Bourbon Society and be first to hear about limited run bourbons and new releases. Rouse's Bourbon Society is for bourbon enthusiasts searching for bourbon baskets and hard to find bourbons at retail prices. It's also for bourbon beginners who want to expand their understanding of bourbon's unique culture and heritage. Email cheers at rouse's.com and sign up today to learn more about bourbon brands as well as other whiskeys like scotch. That's cheers at rouse's.com. Rouse's Markets, the official supermarket of the Saints. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. We thank Coach Gage Griffin for the time in the last segment. We go back to the phone lines now. It's Thursday, so this is going to be our final TGMC Thursday interview of the year with Mr. Stan Gravois. Stan, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. Hope you are doing well also. We are, man. Look, it's a fun time of the year. we got some teams that are playing at some tournaments. Vanderbilt's over at the Sunkiss Tournament. we got a bunch of teams at the Core Holiday Invitation over at E.D. White. Um, it's interesting. Brian always said this basketball is the weird sport where you got to play through all of the distractions. You got to play through Thanksgiving break. You got to play through Christmas break. You got to play through Mardi Gras. There's a lot of things pulling kids in different directions, but the games count the same for PowerPoint purposes. Some big basketball is going to be played over the holidays and it's going to be interesting to see how the teams handle all the distractions. Yeah, listen, I had a lot of coaching friends who going through college, when they got out, I thought immediately they would coach basketball, and they would all say, and listen, that was their sport, right? That's That was their forte. And they were like, I ain't coaching that, man. You got to coach during Thanksgiving and Christmas. and yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It's one where the kids probably have to be more focused through the outlying stuff than uh, probably any of the other sports. I will say this, the tournaments that go on during the holiday seasons are very good. I, I realize, you know, that Mardi Gras is a little bit too late for that. But Thanksgiving and Christmas are fun, fun tournaments, and I would encourage everybody to go out to the core tournament. I had the pleasure of going to the Sunkiss tournament for three years. My nephew was a point guard at Lafayette High when Lafayette High was really good. And uh, that being said, uh, I've not seen another tournament in the state of Louisiana like that tournament. Uh, even so much so that, you know, I was fortunate enough to go see when South Lafouche played, you know, in, 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 this, in the state tournament back in the late 90s. 
that Sunkiss tournament is as good as any tournament on the high school level, any state tournament that I've ever seen. So obviously a great tournament. And I think this is also probably the time of year where you sort of separate the contenders and the pretenders. Uh, you know, you have some schools who have terrific records, but you look at the teams they've been playing and it just doesn't add up. And you have some schools who the record looks kind of suspect, but then you realize what's been going on with them. So I think going forward, as we get into district play, whatever we call district play these these days, uh, we're going. You know, we we sort of seeing because of these tournaments, who's going to be what. You know, that's very well said. And one thing Brian and I have been talking about throughout the course of the week, and even in in previous weeks, is we believe that District Seven Five A on the boys' side is going to be the most entertaining district race to watch. You got Central of Hushu's ten and four. Could beat anybody on any given day. Terrebonne eleven and five could beat anybody on any given day. Hanville's ten and five. They've got some great wins. They're playing really well. Bourgeois ten and six. Murderous schedule playing well. Can't forget East St. John. They've now won six games in a row. Thibodeau plays tough, maybe a little bit behind. And then you got Destrehan who's struggling. But I don't think the winner of our local five A boys basketball district is going to be undefeated. I think these teams are going to beat up on one another. And on Tuesdays and Fridays, we're going to check the scores at night and see. Wow, this team did that? Like, I think we're going to see some very interesting results in a district that I think has a lot of parity. Absolutely. And, and I think that is in large part due to none of those teams are shying away from anybody. They're, they're going to play the best around the state of Louisiana. And sometimes you look at a district and you see a lot of teams doing well early and you think, boy, that district's going to be something else. But you sort of understand that some of those coaches, quite, quite frankly, stayed away from playing certain teams. Uh, you know, Tony Clark's not staying away from anybody. Andrew's not staying away from anybody. I saw Hornville's schedule. You know, she's playing everybody out there. So that being said, I, I agree with you 100%. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The only thing is, is you know, sort of like the SEC, they're going to beat up on each other every time they play, and no telling what the overall record's going to look like at the end. The nice thing is, is when you get into the playoffs, you won't be intimidated by anything. I guess the downfall of that is, is I know all of these teams are good, but but I'm not sure they're elite, you know, in that bracket because, boy, that bracket is just so good from head to toe. So uh, that would be the only thing. Now, you know, I'm, I hate to sort of go with the glass half empty kind of look, but once the playoffs start, I think you can make a run, but, boy, there are some really good teams in there when you consider the bracket in its totality. The coaching carousel continues to spin. Vanderbilt still has an opening. I understand that they're making some progress there, and they're probably going to be the first domino to drop. Hanville just posted their job last week. That'll probably come after the Vanderbilt situation. And, you know, without stating the obvious, there are some names that are overlapping for both jobs, which means the timing could potentially become an issue there as well. What are some things that you're hearing in terms of maybe timeline for, for Vanderbilt and then maybe even for Hanville as we're looking to fill some vacancies here? Well, I was hearing that Vanderbilt would like to get this done in the first couple of weeks of January, so I don't think that we're far off from seeing something there. Uh, to say I know a lot about Hornville would be sort of, you know, I would be kidding you. I hear things. Uh, some of the coaches are telling me that there is one particular coach who they really like for that position, and I think it's his if he wants it. But, again, that's sort of like, you know, just hearing through the grapevine. Uh, I would imagine Hornville's administration, or I should say St. Charles's administration, 
is smart enough to know that you can't let this linger. Because if you let it linger, we live in a day and age where, I can't believe I'm saying this, kids are going to get a little antsy and they'll tell them where they're going to end up at high school. But that all being said, I, I don't think it's going to be a whole long time before Hornville fills theirs. But what I do think it does is, is I think if you think the carousel is starting to spin now, it's, it's really going to get spinning. It's kind of like when you think of that traditional carousel of the horses going around, this is just that carousel starting to move. I think it's going to hit its prime there in a couple of weeks because this is going to start that domino effect where if that school doesn't have a coach and maybe this school, this kid, excuse me, and I hate to call a coach a kid, but this coach leaves this school to go to that school. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting probably two months of what's going to happen with high school football in the area. You've told me this before, and I'll I'll ask you again to kind of reiterate, shifting to you know, more of the athletic trainer side. You've told me before that one of the sports that your team stays the busiest with in terms of, you know, kids being in rehab or getting injured during games is soccer. You said, hey man, the head injuries are pretty prevalent because you're going up to header the ball and you hit somebody else's head or whatever. And then you also said that there's been a you know a at risk for a lot of other different injuries because you're constantly moving. You're never stopping. Talk to us about that, man. We don't picture soccer as being like as physical as a football, but that is a sport that you guys have said consistently generates a lot of injuries because of the nature of the game itself. Absolutely. And, uh, and when it's played, you know, considering that you're not playing in the best weather in the world most of the time, because it's a winter sport in Louisiana. That's not the case around the country. Different times of the year is when so- soccer is playing. And, and, of course, when kids are young, whether they're playing United or they're playing uh, Blackhawks or they're playing, boy, and I hate to forget, but I can't remember exactly what it's called over in the Thibodeau area. All of that being said, there is a fall season. There is a spring season. There is a summer season. These kids play soccer all the time. And the body is fatigued, and that is not the way our bodies are meant to handle all of this stuff. And, uh, yes, athletic trainers, you know, basketball games are minimal. Now, listen, when something happens at a basketball game, a lot of times it's pretty serious, but it's it's not as much. Soccer is, I, I can't imagine, if I would poll every athletic trainer in the Bay region right now, have you ever been to a soccer game, sat in your chair, and never had to get up one time? The answer would be, that'll never happen. I, there is going to be a time during a soccer match, on the pitch, as they say, where that person is going to have to get up, and they are going to have to treat somebody, take care of somebody. It could be a fatigue thing. It could be, you know, uh, deep tissue. It could be twisted ankle. It could be all of those things. But, yes, it is uh, – I'm trying to, you know, as you're asking the question, I'm thinking to myself, is basketball? No. Is football? Maybe. Is volleyball? No. So soccer is either the most or the second most injury-prone sport that we play in high school sports. Very interesting. Look, the Saints are playing for their lives on Sunday. Um, and even with that having been said, they still need help even if they win the final two games of the season. Brian has been telling us now for two weeks that New Orleans is not going to Tampa and getting a win. He thinks Tampa's going to wipe the floor with them. The Saints are so doggone inconsistent, man. How do you see this one going? Mayfield is having a resurgence. He's had a great year. They beat the snot out of him in the Dome. Are they going to beat New Orleans again on Sunday? 
You know, my attention with the Saints is not even on the field anymore. It's like, I hate to say that, I'm, I'm disinterested totally. I am interested in what comes out of the central, the front office, I should say, because I'm starting to try and rationalize if they're delusional in the front office with some of the things they're saying. And you know, they, they compare themselves, and when I say they, Mickey Loomis, sort of compares the Saints to something that they're totally not, and it, and it kind of scares you for what might happen in the future. And as much as, you know, I was upset with Sean Payton for leaving and why are you leaving us and all of this stuff, I realized more and more every day he, he had to have been the glue that held that all together because there's nothing holding it together now. So when you're asking me about how they're going to do, you know, against Baker and all of this stuff, I, I don't even care that much. The worst nightmare now would be, you know, to win one of the last two because I think that might solidify that whole sort of regime staying there in the Orleans. Oh, boy, boy, boy. And then when you hear Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport saying, like, the Dennis Allen's not even really on the hot seat, and it, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy to think. Um, man, we got some bowls, and the bowls are starting to heat up. <laughs> Yesterday we had an SEC school play for the first time, if you want to call it that. A&M was without several players. They lose. But either way, an A&M loss is good for America, in my opinion. Uh, but to the general, um, the fans out there, look, I like the fact that there's a lot of bowls. But, man, I got to tell you, uh, when you see Florida State, who's going to be without 18 players for their game with Georgia, when you see A&M, who had 50-something scholarship players yesterday, when you see some of the others, Ohio State will be without their starting quarterback and so on and so forth, um, this is not very good football, man. Even so much as Tulane yesterday, they don't have their quarterback. They're missing several receivers, missing several defensive pieces. The opt-out thing has really, to me, killed the bowl season. It's not nearly what it used to be anymore. Oh, it certainly has. At least that'll be 12 teams that probably won't opt out as much next year because they'll be in the playoff system. But I wouldn't even be surprised if some guys opt out even if their school is in the playoffs. I really thought that the NIL, and I realize it's relatively new, I thought that somewhere in those NIL contracts they would write that you had to play in the bowl game and maybe we'd see a few more stay, but we obviously have more leaving than ever. My son and I yesterday sort of had one on in the background, you know, as we were, you know, the family was together last night. And he made mention that he can't believe how we even have that on television. We're watching scrimmages for next year. We're basically watching jamborees, right? I mean, and it's, and it's not fun. During the Tulane game, I sort of had a, uh, and I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched it on and off. And I sort of had an epiphany that I'm, it's the first time I'm really disenchanted with college football. I, I don't know. It just hit me. And then to hear, you know, where the herd kid from LSU didn't travel with the team, and now they're saying that it's because there wasn't enough money on the table for him. <laughs> I'm thinking, what are, we, what are we? So that being said, that's when I go, you know what? My ties to high school football are going to be even stronger because it's the – heck, I might even – start going to watch peewee football, you know, Bantam League football, because at least that's the purest form of the game, you know, where kids are playing because they love the game and they're playing for the fun of the game, because once you get past high school, and listen, even high school has its suspect moments, but once you get past high school, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, 
We used to say it's a business in the NFL, right? It's a business everywhere now. It's not a game anymore. It's a business. Yeah, it, it's very well said, man. Look, I'm going to ask you this, uh, shifting towards the NFL. I know we talked a little bit of Saints, but one debate that a lot of fans on social media are having is, like, who would you consider to be the Super Bowl favorite right now? And I think it's wide open. The Dolphins are 11-4. and four. Most people don't necessarily believe in them all the way. The Bills are 9-6, and six and they're coming on strong. They're kind of a sleeper pick. The Ravens are 12-3 and three and have the best record, but their offense is kind of limited. Um, the Browns have the best defense, but they don't have their starting quarterback. The Chiefs are struggling. The Eagles have holes. Dallas has holes. The Lions have never been there before. Purdy kind of got exposed on Monday. Like I feel like we're entering the playoffs, and there could be some chaos because I think some of these quote-unquote big top-tier teams have some holes that could potentially be exposed. I do believe this probably more than any other year in the past. And look, it's been huge in the past. I mean, it's proven that you have to have home field advantage to make a good run at it. I would venture to say this year, these last two games, man, you have to, you you have to Baltimore and Miami. I think whoever gets home field out of that has such an advantage. The only thing I'm a little leery on, just because they've been there before, because they have Andy Reid, it would not surprise me if Kansas City just turns it on for the playoffs and just kind of like like this is their bad stretch, right? So that may happen. In the NFC, I don't know what to tell you. After what happened with San Francisco, uh, you, you, you're right. I, I like Purdy, but you can see that he can have his suspect moments too. I, I think it's wide open. I think... I think as a Dallas Cowboys fan, as you are, you should be smiling just a little bit because I think the door opened up again a little bit. I think it's not impossible. Uh, I did make mention last week that I thought if they lost to Miami, there's going to be some kind of psychological block for them to win a road game. But it wasn't that kind of game. Uh, So, yeah, I think anybody in the NFC – I think anybody in the AFC, but I do think that the home field advantage is going to be huge for whoever gets the home field advantage. Yeah, no doubt about that, man. Look, LSU will be taking on Wisconsin in their bowl game. That's on New Year's Day. The Tigers have mostly skirted the opt-out bug. They've got a few guys in the portal, and then we mentioned Lance Hurd a minute ago, and and Jaden Daniels is not playing to rest for the NFL. But by and large, it's pretty much going to be the team that we saw against Texas A&M playing against Wisconsin with the exception of Nussmeyer under center. Um, Look, man, I'm not all that excited about bowl season for the reasons we discussed, but I am excited about the LSU game. I think that LSU has as much at stake as maybe anybody because they've got to figure out, hey, is this guy going to be our next starting quarterback? Or if he goes out there and lays an egg and struggles – Maybe we got to go portal shopping for more than just the Vanderbilt guy. Maybe we've got to do some di- some different things. I think LSU's got as much at stake as any non-playoff team does in their bowl game on January the first. I probably would agree with that. I also, you know, mentioned this for the last couple of weeks. I think that their situation is as good as you possibly can have it with guys who are coming back and they're playing. And it's again, it's it's it. You know. I don't want to call it a glorified scrimmage, but it is getting you ready for next year. Uh, Again, my son and I were sitting there thinking last night, and, and, you know, he's a LSU grad who was sitting there, and he loves his Tigers, but he also is very, I guess I would call it realistic in saying, 
that even to get to be in the 12-team tournament next year is not going to be easy for LSU. Because, I mean, when you start naming teams, you go, well, yeah, they, yeah, you know, Georgia, yeah, Alabama, yeah, Texas, yeah. Don't know if Michigan's going anywhere, yeah. And then you start playing that numbers game and you realize how tough it is. And then, and I'm bringing up something a little bit from the outside, but I would love to get your take on this. I have no idea what Ole Miss is doing, but they're getting everybody and everybody's coming back. That might be some kind of super team over there. I don't know what Lane Kiffin's got. I do know this. If you're a college administrator and you have to, you know, have an interview process for a new coach coming in, your first question doesn't need to be anything about X's and O's of football. Your question would have to be, how are you going to handle NIL, the portal, and recruiting? Because that's everything now. And, you know, I hate to say it because he's about my age, but the fact is is that Brian Kelly might be getting to that point where I don't know if the kids relate. And then you see Elaine Kiffin, who is, you know, kind of the hip guy and what they're getting. So from that perspective, I know I sort of got off hands a little bit but that being said I think it's big for LSU to kind of keep that all together and we'll find out I I think the folks in Wisconsin right now are saying go ahead sell us short a little bit we're going to show up in that game and we're going to play hard so uh but but if LSU does the things they need to do in that game and and they even with no small, I, I think they're going to win it for sure. Yeah, I agree, man. Well, look, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful and a Happy New Year. Thanks so much for the time. We'll chat again on Saturday, brother. I did. Thank you very much. And as I mentioned the other night when we were at the uh, game over at Nichols uh, for E.D. White, Vanderbilt, and uh, Homer Christian, uh, this is the week we're out talking to all of the future inductees to our Bi-Region Hall of Fame. As a matter of fact, of the six inductees, four of them are aware. So I got to sort of play Santa Claus and go tell them, which was a joy this year. Two more. One lives out of town, lives out of state, lives out of country. So we're sort of getting that all together. And uh, it, it won't be long before, Casey, I hope we could use this platform to let everybody know who those inductees will be. Absolutely. You know, you, you gave me a little spoiler of the list. It's an awesome list, and, and I can't wait to bit to get that out to the public, my friend. Great job, as always. Thank you. Y'all have a great new year. Yep, that's Stan Grava doing our Terrebonne General Thursday interview. We always look forward to chatting with Stan. Um, and he did give me uh, a little sneak peek at the six-person induction class. Ooh, there's some good ones, man. It'll be a very exciting Hall of Fame crop, and I uh, can't wait for, we, for us to be able to get that out uh, to the public. Yeah. Yeah, LSU and Wisconsin. Tigers are a 10-point favorite. LSU's pretty much got their whole team. LSU's going to blow out Wisconsin Monday, right? I mean, I think that this is going to be a pretty comfortable win for the Tigers, right? Uh, Look, you would think, but we're going to see how much they're going to miss Jaden Daniels. Because the offense was good because of Jaden Daniels. You couldn't guard him. He did. He, he made some things that nothing was there, and he scored touchdowns out of uh, several times. Uh, we'll see. If, if Now, coordinator's gone. Uh, two guys are going to tag team it, and uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, I, you would think, oh, based on the season, but start putting all these pieces together or – trying to put these pieces together and they're not there. 
Daniel's not there. Your coordinator's not there. I think it's going to make a difference, but the you, end of the day, Wisconsin, uh, LSU should should win the game. Do you think that Brian Kelly would leave LSU to go to Michigan? That's been the internet rumor, and Harbaugh yesterday was asked about the Los Angeles Chargers, and he gave a very much so non-answer. Oh, I'm living in the moment. I'm focused on today. I'm not focused on tomorrow. Like, he could have said no, and he didn't, which leads me to believe there is some smoke there and, and maybe even a fire soon. Uh, there are some people in Baton Rouge who say that he would be interested in listening, but Coach Kelly himself said earlier in the season, this is my last stop. I'm not going anywhere else. Do you believe the coach? Do you believe the media? Do you think he would entertain an offer from Michigan should it come his way? I, I, yes, he would entertain it. Why not? I mean, uh, I would. I mean, yeah. If you want, he's going to get more money, I'm sure. Um, well, well, that's the, no, the, the next thing is, do you think that he would just entertain them to try to get more money from LSU? Uh, could be. But who, hey, look, with that, hey, did he have Go. <laughs> you know, he's going to, this is what you're getting here. Like it, take it or leave it. And then that's the yeah. next thing is I, I'm sure you could find someone who would want to coach They'll the athletes. Be, they L will be fine. They, they're going to find someone. Boy, I, I was um I was disappointed yesterday, and and I get it. They they didn't have a lot of their pieces or whatever, but to watch Tulane give up 362 yards rushing, and really a lot of it was by the quarterback, 20 carries, 176 yards. If, if Tulane would have lost the game, I was 17 to 10, and and couldn't score because the quarterback's not there. Would, I would have understood that. But they got beat up up front, 41 to 20, and and I don't understand this, man. For the life of me, I don't understand this. We have so many dudes now who are opting out, and I talked about this. I think the two-lane quarterback is one of them who made a mistake not playing in the bowl game because we often hear, oh, well, such and such got hurt in his bowl. There are two classic examples. Jaden Smith, the linebacker of Notre Dame, got hurt in the bowl and hurt his draft position. But we don't hear enough the stories of a guy like Jamarcus Russell who played in the Sugar Bowl his junior year at LSU, dominated the Sugar Bowl, and started his momentum forward to being the number one overall pick in the draft. A story like Darius Taylor, a Minnesota running back, who played in his bowl and who's going to be going to the NFL, who rushed for 208 yards in his bowl and now probably has momentum going into the offseason. I get the opting out if you're Jaden Daniels. You're going to be a top 10 pick. I get it. You don't have a whole lot to play for. But I think we've gone too far, man. A lot of these dudes are like mid-round picks. Why wouldn't you want the last opportunity to put some good tape out there? I think the opt-out thing has gone too far, man. we got way too many dudes who are protecting their stock when they don't even have a stock to begin with. Yeah, they think they're better than what they are. And they're going to, oh, I'm going to opt out because I'm, I'm good enough. And some of these people, I'm afraid to get hurt. When you're thinking about injuries and, and not getting hurt, that's when you get hurt. You got to go out and just play the game like you played from week one. And, and uh, if injuries happen, if it happens, it happens. But when you start thinking about it and, and, and slowing down your play not to get hurt, that's when you get hurt. And yeah. uh, I just think it, 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 too many people opting out. And I think the Tulane quarterback that played, he's in the portal. I wouldn't have let him Why play. Why the hell let him play? I wouldn't let him play. I, I mean, then I see after the game, he's crying. You know, it's like, dude, you should not have been playing. I agree. Uh, look, LSU was in that situation the last year, but they, they had all the quarterbacks either gone, hurt in the portal. They played with a wide receiver. Because Ed wasn't going to let somebody who's not with the team 
quarterback you just to try to win a bowl game. I agree. I don't think they should have let him play. And if that handicaps you and, make, and puts you at a big disadvantage, so be it. That's I'm gonna, his decision. Yeah. Yeah, you, you decided not to be with us. You're not with us. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. <laughs> USC looked good last night. Miller Moss played for Caleb Williams and threw for six touchdown passes. So it looks like USC has another good quarterback lined up for the future. That's ironic because that's LSU's first game next year. You better get your defense fixed, Coach Kelly, because USC's offense is still going to be pretty damn good. Today we've got Rutgers in Miami, who will be playing at 115. We've got NC State and Kansas State at 440. We've got Arizona and Oklahoma. That'll be a good one at 815. That's two really good teams. And then right now we've got the Fenway Bowl, which Boston College leads 17-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter with 12 minutes to go. And that game had to start at 10 o'clock. It did, 10 o'clock. Uh, it was a 10 oh. o'clock start. It's a little Where's early. Where's that at? Where? In, in Boston, at Fenway Park. Well, I don't – man, that's – Yeah. Um, that's early. The things we do to get the games on TV, right, <laughs> including at 10 o'clock. Hell, LSU starting at 11 on Monday, so it's not a whole lot better. But let's catch a break. When we get back, we will talk about some things happening in the world of sports and beyond. Might even talk a little college football playoff. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. At Terrebonne General Multi-Specialty Clinic, we're dedicated to your well-being. Our expert team of healthcare professionals offers convenient, comprehensive medical care in one trusted location. Whether you're dealing with common illnesses like cold and flu, diabetes, breathing issues, or need help managing your health, our caring and knowledgeable staff are here to treat your symptoms. Call 985-873-4729 or visit tghealthsystem.com to schedule your same or next day appointment. The deputies of the Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office remind you to designate a driver if you plan to drink this holiday season. By driving impaired, you endanger others as well as yourself. Designate a driver anytime you plan to drink. Have a safe and happy holiday season. From the Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office. Tiger fans, are you looking for the latest news on all things LSU? Then Tiger Rag Magazine is your go-to source. Whether you pick up the magazine or browse over to the website, Tiger Rag Magazine provides you with the most up-to-date information on all the sports, university, and recruiting news that matters to you. Find it at your local newsstand or online at TigerRag.com. Here we go! Let's face it, we all know that the recruiting scene at LSU can get a little wild. Don't fret. Now more than ever, Tiger Rag Magazine is staying ahead of the game when it comes to name, image, likeness regulations. Thanks to our Tiger Rag Magazine experts and analysts, we can help you understand what it means to LSU and how you can stand formed on this rapidly changing landscape. Plus, our website makes it easy for fans to get their hands on all the information they need about LSU athletics. Get your subscriptions today. So if you're looking for in-depth coverage of everything LSU, Look no further than Tiger Rag Magazine. Available on newsstands or online, tigerrag.com. 
The Gadry Law Group, based in Homa, provides individuals in need of legal representation to deal with injuries caused by wrongful negligence. Whether it's the result of motor vehicle accidents, offshore and boating accidents, burns and traumatic brain injuries, or wrongful deaths and more. With over 69 years of combined legal experience in personal injury, succession, and estate planning, the Gadry Law Group should be your legal representative during your time of need. Located at 7921 Park Avenue in Homa, call 985-223-4400. The Gatorade Law Group. Welcome back to Play by Play here. We thank Coach Gage Griffin for the time uh, earlier in the show. We thank Stan for the time in the last segment of the show. Uh, now we talk about some just some different stuff, so kind of a variety segment here. Uh, do the Pels play today? Let me see. I know my Clippers are off. I think the Pels are in action. They're hosting Utah tonight. Opportunity to maybe get some momentum after stubbing their toe against Memphis in the last game. Um, we also, in the NBA tonight, got the Lakers playing the Hornets and Miami and Golden State, Memphis and Denver. So we got some pretty good matchups. Um, who the Pelicans? We did a segment on the Pelicans yesterday, and I'm not going to yell and scream and, and do the things that I was doing yesterday. But, man, you're a, a, a basketball guy. You're a basketball coach. It's frustrating to watch these dudes play, man. You're you're facing Memphis for the second time in a week. For the second time in a week, you have a big lead. You're leading by, let's see, you're leading by like 13, 14 points going to the fourth quarter. You're up by even more than that during the third quarter. And you just stopped competing. The fourth quarter became dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, crap, let's shoot a shot at one on the shot clock and miss. Then let's go play defense. There are a lot of people that are starting to lay blame at the feet of Willie Green. You know, Is he the right piece here? I don't do that. I think that it's more of a star player issue. Brandon Ingram tries to take over the game late. Zion Williamson doesn't want the ball enough. Zion's only shot 20 or more shots twice in a game this season. What say you, man? It's frustrating. This team plays the same type of game over and over and over. It's the opposite of the Saints, right? The Saints usually start off down 21-0, come back, get some garbage touchdowns, make it respectable. The Pelicans are usually winning by 20, and they either almost blow it or blow it every time. Why can't this team situationally close out games? It's so frustrating to see. Well, look, I haven't seen them much because – Obvious reasons you can't <laughs> find them on TV locally, uh, which hopefully that would change. Um, th- this has been going on for for two years now, where Pelicans open up big leads and they blow them. Last year, oh, you, you know, they always they kind of come together. This year, I I don't I can't understand why it's like eight games or six or seven eight games I think where. They had double-digit leads, and they blow it. And, you know, I was listening to you and Turtle yesterday uh, talk about coaches, you know, you're playing this defense in one game, you change. And I I just think sometimes it's what the opponents are doing. They're picking up maybe the pace or they're putting pressure or they're changing what they did for three quarters, and the Pelicans just can't adjust to it. And – I don't know if it's so much that the Pelicans are changing the way they, they were playing. Uh, I just think they can't adjust to what the other team's doing. But uh, they got to figure it out. Like, why? It, it's like every game, it seems that way. They just stop competing. You got a good point where some 
Guys just don't want the ball at the end. Some want it too much. Uh, but, man, that, that's frustrating to watch because you know it's coming. Yeah. It, <laughs> there's so much money to be made betting against them in the fourth quarter when they have a big lead. It, it, it's unbelievable. Right now in the NBA, we're experiencing history. And it's not the history that the Detroit Pistons want to be making. The Pistons have lost an NBA record 27 games in a row. They are 2-28 and 28 on the season. Tonight they're playing Boston. They're almost a 20-point underdog. Boston is going to beat the hell out of them. That, winning, that losing streak is going to continue. What's the longest losing streak you ever had, bro? This has got to be misery. And I get it. They're all millionaires, right? They, at the end of the day, they're all rich, and they're all famous, and yada, yada. Man, I, I, I have no clue. 27 I know it wasn't 27. In a row. Dude, can, that's got to be miserable. You're showing up to work. You haven't won a game since the third game of the season when you beat Chicago. That was October 28th. Today, we are December 28th. You haven't won a game in two months in the NBA where you're playing every other night that and Monty Williams is there on a big old deal and he's got job security and he's got some young pieces Kate Cunningham's there they're trying to build it from the ground up bro that's got to be miserable can you imagine being a diehard Pistons fan right now and you've had to watch 27 straight losses for your team and most of them you're getting blown out and they're not even competitive that's I've never seen how, that how, before how's their attendance it, it has to be Let's see. Their last game was at home. Let's see. 118 to 112. We pull it up. The attendance was 19,811. 97% wow. full. Compare I, that with the Pels. Wouldn't be me. <laughs> I wouldn't be going to watch that. Um, well, even though if you're going to watch uh, a, a, an opponent that you like, their guys are not going to play long. It's, um, man, I historically historically bad uh the longest losing streak in nba history um my cowboys are playing the detroit lions on saturday it'll be monday night football on saturday because monday's dedicated for the college games i don't like this matchup for dallas and i really think that in the nfc it's going to all come down to matchups i think dallas could beat philly i'm not afraid of philly i don't think dallas could beat san francisco too much power they'll run down the throat the Lions are kind of a mixture of the two. They like to throw the ball, but they also like to run. Dallas is very good at home. They're undefeated 7-0 and at home, but the Lions are very good on the road. They're 6-2 and on the road. Dallas has a chance to maybe get some momentum back after losing two straight to Buffalo and Miami. Do you see my boys getting a uh, Saturday night win against the Detroit Lions, or do you think it's going to be another rough one against a team with a winning record for the Cowboys? No, I think the Cowboys can pull this one out. Uh, I think the key for them is to start strong. And start fast and uh, don't give the Lions any more confidence. Lions wrapped up their division, right? But you're still playing uh, for seeding, I'm sure. Um, I think if the Cowboys can start strong, uh, give them some of their moxie back and um, kind of don't let the Lions get up and running because if, if the Lions get more confidence as that game goes on, I think it can be a, a tough game for Dallas, but if they start strong, I think they'll 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 win the game. Fletcher Mackle, uh, who is a reporter for WDSU, sports director at WDSU, has reiterated what Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport said, which he thinks Dennis Allen is going to be back next season. But he said the Saints are likely to overhaul their offensive staff, and then he gave a bunch of names 
of who he thinks the Saints could potentially target as their offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy interviewed him for head coach way back when. He's a Louisiana guy. Kellen Moore, <coughs> that's gag-worthy. Brian Greasy, he's doing a good job with the 49ers. Cliff Kingsbury, T. Martin, Thad Lewis, Gary Kubiak, Joe Brady, and Byron Lefwich. You guys are going to hire Kellen Moore, aren't you? Oh. I w- wouldn't shock me. Now, let, let me ask you this with Pete Carmichael. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good coach. When, when he was there with Peyton, he, I, do you just dismiss him completely out of a job? I think they're going to fire him, yeah. I think they're going to fire. I think that, that they're going to tell Dennis Allen, like, bro, we need to get rid of this dude. Because he, he was doing this job not wanting to do it. And they kind of, look, you have to do it. Do it. And, uh, and I, I don't – coordinated, definitely not. But uh, I, he, I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere. But the guy still – he knows football. Right, let me ask you this. And this is, I think, the problem that the Saints are going to run into. A lot of these guys on the list have aspirations to be head coaches. Eric Bieniemy wants to be a head coach. Kellen Moore, for some ungodly reason, has gotten interviews and has almost become head coach. Cliff Kingsbury has been one before. Kubiak's been one before. Joe Brady aspires to be. Leftwich aspires to be. If you are one of the guys on this list, why would you go and coach Derek Carr? Because this is all about all right, if I'm Joe Brady, I'm taking a job in Buffalo, which is where he is now, knowing my quarterback's badass, we're going to score a bunch of points, it's going to make me look good, and it's going to give me the opportunity to climb. We've seen in years past, Dan Quinn is a good example. He's the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. He's been offered head coaching jobs, and he said, if I think the team stinks, I'm not doing it because in two or three years, I'm going to get fired, and it's, even if it's not my fault because the roster stinks. Why would any of these guys on this list voluntarily, most of them already have jobs as offensive coordinators, why would any of these guys voluntarily go and say, oh, yeah, uh, Carr and, and Michael Thomas, yeah, I want to go coach them. It's suicide for your career. I, I was getting, It's coaching suicide right there to, to do that. And um, did Joe Brady would be better off where he's at to stay where he's at right now for a couple more years with a better quarterback and potentially get a better job than what he would have if he would go to the Saints. Did you see what Sean Payton is doing? You've you've been the guy that is championed here on this show. You said, well, why do you have to play Derek Carr, right? Like, money shouldn't matter. Why do you have to play Derek Carr? Well, Denver is doing what you think that the Saints should be doing. They are resting Russell Wilson for the rest of the season. They are starting Jared Stidham. They know that Jared Stidham is not as good as Russell Wilson. The reason why Russell Wilson is being sat down is because he's got some sort of injury protections where if he gets hurt, like his contract becomes fully guaranteed and some different things like that. So they're intentionally making themselves worse for the last two games in an effort to protect Russell Wilson to make it easier to cut Russell Wilson in the offseason. They're going to swallow a ton of dead money doing this, but Sean Payton is doing what he feels his best, and that's going to be building with somebody else and at the, at the forefront of his offense. They're saying, hey, I don't care about the money. We're going to try to play the best player. The Saints are not willing to do that just yet. Maybe that's the difference between a Sean Payton and a Dennis Allen. One's willing to roll yep. that dice. The other is not. Russell Wilson's contract in March, if he cannot pass a physical, 
the Broncos owe him like 30-something million dollars. So they went, Russell Wilson, hey, can you uh, reword this contract, change this up a little bit, or if not, you're on the bench. Well, he says I'm on the bench. Well, you're on the bench. <laughs> and look, I, I know it's, it ain't my money, but uh, – who gives you the best chance to win? Take the money out of the situ- out of the equation, and Derek Carr is not going to win you championships. You learn the hard way. Bench him and put someone else in. Who do you think it is? I mean, would you go Winston? I don't think Winston's any good. Would you try to do the run-heavy offense with Hill? Would you play the rookie? What, what, what would you do? What, what would be your answer if, if the answer is to not play Derek Carr? Well, golly, listen, man, I can't even believe I'm saying this. New Orleans, uh, a party town, right? Mm-hmm. Next year, or start now even, let's play Winston. Oh, God. Listen, let's play Winston, let's party, let's lose, and start over. Yes! I can't even believe I'm saying that. Finally, finally we've got some sense spoken. Yes, let's play Winston, let's lose, let's get a better draft pick and make it more likely that you could get a good quarterback in the draft. Thank you. Finally. It's taken long enough. Finally. Winston's going to have fun. He's dancing on the side. Now, maybe not. Now that he's in the game. (laughs) His dancing may be over, but anything, that's how disgusted I am with Derek Carr playing quarterback for the Saints. Would you like Jaden Daniels to be in New Orleans next year? There's a lot of rumors and some whispers. I don't think the Saints are going to do that, um, but do you, would you like to see him in New Orleans next year? Well, for his sake, I hope not. As long as Dennis Allen's there, no. It hmm. won't matter. Is Michael Thomas going to end up in Denver next year? Is there some whispers the Saints are going to cut him? You think he's going to go back with Sean? I don't know. Did they get along? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know who else would want him. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, kind of the that's question. That's a good point. Um, it's it's a crossroads, man. Kamara's getting a little older, and I know you're saying, oh, man, he's only 28. 28 for a running back is getting older. Carr is in his 30s. Taysom Hill's 33. Thomas is getting older. Uh, you're going to have to pay Olave soon. Defensively, Demario Davis is getting older. Teron Matthews getting older. Lattimore is getting older. Cam Jordan's getting older, and you don't have the resources to replace. Like this could be a very dark three, four years it, for this team. It's going to be a long process, and I hope that fans are aware of that. It is going to be a very long and possibly painstaking process that'll begin in this off season, and. Uh, that oh. might be above anything else. The reason why they bring Dennis Allen back because they don't want to put a a rookie coach or a young coach through that. So might as well lose with the guy that we know is going to lose. <laughs> well, tell us, tell the fans, tell us. <laughs> that, that, that might be what they're trying to do. But anyway, we thank everybody oh. for listening. We've run a little bit over our time. We thank Gage Griffin for the time. We thank Stan Gravoff for the time tomorrow. Uh, we're going to cover all the results at all the tournaments around the state and get you prepared for the college football playoff. It's been play-by-play. Casey Disclair and Brian Colley signing off. Love you guys. Have a great day. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.